Well, turning your Bibles to Revelation chapter 17. Gosh, we're almost through. We're rolling right through it. I mean, when you think about it, uh, 17 and 18, these next two weeks are going to be dealing with the, uh, the city of Babylon, basically, the, the economic Babylon, the religious Babylon. And then Jesus is coming back, and there's going to be the kingdom, and then there's going to be the eternal state. And so the Bible is going to give us a lot of information. We're looking at the final revelation given by Jesus Christ to John. We call it the book of Revelation. It focuses on a time period call the tribulation. Let me remind you just again of what we've seen over and over again, but just always, we just need to make sure we got it. Jesus died and rose again, sent into heaven, started the church. We're the church right now. All of us who have believed in Christ for eternal life, we're the church, the body of Christ. One of these days, it could be any second. Nothing has to be done for Jesus to come back. He's going to come in the clouds. We're going to be taken off the face of the earth. That's called the rapture, and we'll be gone. We'll be taken off the face of the earth, and when that happens, then there's going to be a time period. We're not sure how long, probably going to be time enough for a 10-king federation to come, and then somebody is going to come to power, which we call him the Antichrist, book of Revelation calls him the beast, he's going to rise to power, claim to be God, uh, put his idol up in the temple, he, so he comes to power, makes a peace back with Israel, which start this seven-year tribulation, then in the middle he does all that, we'll get more information in a minute, and then at the end of the tribulation, Jesus Christ comes back. We're going to see great war at the end, because the kingdoms of the world gather together to fight against Jerusalem and against Jesus Christ and he comes back when he comes back he sets up a kingdom that goes for a thousand years there's a thing called great white throne judgment we'll talk about that there's another thing called the judgment seat of Christ we'll talk about that and then on into eternity I also want to remind you that of this uh, final seven years and we've divided it this way we've seen it over and over just want to make sure you have it this is the seven years the first three and a half is divided into two parts first three and a half is called the tribulation the second part is called the great tribulation in the first part, this, this Antichrist, whoever he is, we'll say the beast that comes up out of the sea in the book of Revelation, he makes a peace pact with Israel, starts right there. It starts with peace, it goes to war, goes to famine, it goes to death, all of these things. 144,000 Jews are raised up at the beginning of the tribulation. They go all the way through proclaiming the message to the nation of Israel. Halfway through, the Antichrist comes into the temple in Jerusalem and changes everything about religion. He claims to be God. He puts up his idol. It's called the abomination, desolation. He puts up his idol of himself in the temple to be worshipped. And the last three and a half years, of course, it's just all kind of judgment and everything else. There's also two witnesses that we think start right there, and they go toward the end of the tribulation as well. And all of that, and then this, of course, is the end when Jesus comes back. So that's, that's what we've been seeing over these weeks. And this morning, we're going to talk about Babylon. And uh, to be honest with you, they're, they're, these are my least favorite chapters <laughs> of the book of Revelation. Just because, you know, when you think about Babylon, Babylon is rebellion. Babylon is rebellion against God. And when you look in the book of Revelation, in fact, when you look in the whole Bible, it's always what it represents. And when we think about it, Babylon represents a number of things. It is a city. It's going to be a real city in the tribulation time period. There's false religion. There's a false false economic system. All of this happens during the tribulation. And we said the ba Babylon is a symbol of man's rebellion against God. It goes all the way back to the Tower of Babel, and we'll talk about it in a minute. So let's start, and let's raise a question just to get started. What's, what, 
What is the differences in all the religions of the world? And you think they're everywhere. It's true there are many ways in which uh, that there are all kind of religions, but they all have something in common, and that is that religion is man trying to somehow get to God, whether it's Islam and their attitudes and actions and pray seven times a day in a trip to Mecca, or whether it's Buddhism, which is the practice of a higher level, or Hinduism, which is salvation by action and works and a higher lifestyle. Religion's been around all the way from the beginning. When you go back to the idea of Cain, Cain wanted to do his own thing. You know, a lot of people wonder what happened when Cain and Abel brought the sacrifices. Well, if you remember, Abel brought a blood sacrifice and Cain did not bring a blood sacrifice. And that's when God said to him, you're trying to do it your own way. And I've already told you the way. And then, of course, the Tower of Babel going all the way back. Man seeking to get to God. Man seeking to be as God. Really, they said, we're going to make a stairway, a tower to heaven, and then we can do whatever we want. That's what they said. So I want you to think about the difference that, I always say this, that Christianity, and I'm talking about true Christianity, I'm not talking about religious Christianity, I'm talking about true Christianity is not a religion. Religion is man doing something to please God, man trying to do whatever, whatever their religious group says they must do. True Christianity is God pleasing God. It is God who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that who would ever, whosoever would believe would never perish but have eternal life. God does it all. And that's why we say, by grace you're saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So when we look at Babylon, really for this week and next week, we have to remember that Babylon represents rebellion against God. Uh, Babylon represents false worship. Babylon is called the harlot. It's called the prostitute. Because in the Bible, the false religion, false worship is always considered harlotry and, and uh, adultery. That's why he uses it in the Bible. So, in Revelation chapter 17, Babylon is called the harlot because that's what it is. So, connected with all of this, we'll see in the next few weeks. Let me give you the outline. Uh, chapter 17, John sees the harlot, verses 1 through 3. Then here's the description of the harlot. We saw a little bit of that last week. We just touched on it. Then there's the explanation because the, the, the angel says, I will show you the mystery. And so, those verses 7 through 15 are really the explanation of who, what the harlot is and what the, the beast is. And and then the fall, the fall of religious Babylon, and we'll see how that ties together. So let me give you, a, it's a big overview. The idea here is Babylon represents man's rebellion against God. And let me just remind you that at the time the Antichrist comes to power, he comes to power and they rebuild, if it's not already built back, it's not built back now, but they rebuild a city called Babylon, which goes all the way back to the Babylonians and the Assyrians and the Medo-Persians. That city was there. And he rebuilds the city and he's the ruler of the world. He then comes to Jerusalem and allows the Jewish people to either rebuild the temple somehow or God, and it goes until he goes goes into the temple and claims to be God, puts his idol there. He's not there because his idol's there because he's back in Babylon. And we're going to see that he actually attacks his own city. We'll talk about how that works as we go through it. So Babylon represents man's rebellion against God. When you think about the city, it is a city which is rebuilt. It is a religion called the harlot, called the false god. It is also an economic system that everyone's got to take the mark of the beast so they can buy or sell. And that's really the capital of the world. 
So we always say, well, what's the capital of the world? Somebody could say Tokyo. It's got the biggest population of the world. Some people say New York could be the capital of the world. Some people say, well, what about London? And some people say Jerusalem is the capital of the world. And the truth is, when Jesus Christ comes as the king, Jerusalem is the capital of the world. And so Babylon at this time, probably at the time of the tribulation, is the capital of the world. Well, let's see what's going on, and we'll go through chapter 17. And as I've said many times, we don't have time for, we don't do questions on Sunday morning in here. Uh, we do them in grow groups sometimes, uh, and when we go into the grow groups, and when we have SBI classes, we have questions. But as we go through this, if there's something that's not clear, or something that you want to question, you can, you can email me a question, or text me a thing, or come by and see, and say, last Sunday when you said this, because the whole goal is for us to be able to put it together and, and understand it. So let's look at chapter 17, look at verse 1. It says, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and spoke with me, saying, Come here, I'll show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. Well, let's stop and think, what, what are we talking about? Seven angels. There were seven angels who were given the seven bowl judgments. And we've already seen the seven uh, steel judgments, the seven trumpet judgments, seven bowl judgments. When all these judgments end, they all end at the same time, and it's time for Jesus to come back. So basically we have seen this seventh bowl judgment and now th there's like an interlude and this angel is going to come and say to John, before everything happens, let me teach you about this harlot who sits on the many waters. And so he starts and, and basically says, by the way, chapter 17 is the fall of religious Babylon, chapter 18, economic Babylon. And uh, let me see if I can make it work. Okay, so we're looking, the bold judgments are complete in that sense. Now there's a stop, and he's going to tell us about this, this one. Now notice it says, Come here and I'll show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. Well, who are the water? What is the waters? The waters are people in chapter 17, verse 15. And he said to me, the waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. That means that this city and this ruling thing all came out of the world, came, came up and became the, the, the chief thing. I loved Dr. Walver. John Walver was the president of Dallas Seminary when I was there. He was probably the the leading end times man and during his time period. There are other great people today who do end times. Mark Hitchcock is great. He's a faith Bible church in Edmond. He does great on end times. Well, Dr. Walford, when he was alive, he was the probably the best one in the whole world. And he would always say, false religion is the worst enemy of the church, the true church the body of Christ. And false religion always does that. False worship, it's always this. And this harlot represents man's rebellion. In Scripture, idolatry and false religion are described as harlotry. And that's what we see over and over and over again. And so we're going to see what happens. He says, one of the, the, one, back to verse 1 again, then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and spoke with me. Now this is John. John is sitting there and an angel comes to him and says, come here, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. With whom, now he's going to describe, with whom the kings of the earth committed acts of immorality, and those who dwell on the earth who are made drunk with the wine of immorality. And so the idea there is they're drunk and they're drinking and they're having sexual stuff with this, this Babylon, which is basically saying they're all worshiping the false god and they're doing all the things, uh, worshiping false gods and those kind of things. And so that's what it says. And so the, the, the name for this system, oh, let me go back. The name for this system is, is a, a religious error. Now, we'll look at verse 3, and then we'll put that slide up. He carried me away 
in the spirit. And so all of a sudden he's taken away and he sees in a wilderness. And he said, I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast full of blasphemous names. That means names saying bad things about God. Having seven heads and ten horns. So he sees this, this, this woman on a beast. Now the beast is some kind of what we realize the the beast that she sees is the Antichrist. He's the beast. And this woman is sitting on, and she has seven heads and ten horns. And we know that the seven heads deal with the seven Gentile world empires. We'll talk about that in a minute. The ten horns are the ten king federation. And he begins to describe this woman. And he says, the woman was clothed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a gold cup of the abominations and of the unclean things of her immorality. So in her cup, is all this sin and false worship. And then it says, and on her forehead, a name was written, a mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. And so he describes by seeing this woman, we found these pictures that, you know, somebody drew up and we, you know, we don't know. So it's like a woman, it's uh, seven, you know, seven uh, horns, ten head, uh, Ten heads, there it is. And then we got another picture that that's what, you know, whether he saw what that looked like or not, that's just a drawing. And anyway, he saw all of this, and he saw the mother of harlots. And remember, now just remember after this, after the rapture, there's going to be religion all over the world. And ultimately, there's going to ultimately be one one religion because the Antichrist is going to claim that he is God and he should be worshipped. When everything starts and the nation, we're gone and the tribulation begins, the nation of Israel makes the peace pact with, with the Antichrist, there are going to be religions and all kind of things going on in the world. And this man's going to come to power and about halfway through, he's going to claim that he's God. And so all of this is false worship and those kind of things. And so look what it says. <clears throat> he says, uh, I saw the woman drunk. This is, this is verse 6. I saw the woman drunk with what? With what? The blood of the saints and the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered, I wondered greatly. He said he saw her, that she, this, the false religion and the heartland had killed many of the believers. You remember that when the Antichrist really takes over and claims to be God, he, he says you have to have a mark of the beast. And if you don't take the mark of the beast, they hunt you down. They're going to try to kill you as believers. Believers will not take the mark of the beast. Unbelievers will. Unbelievers will worship the false gods and the false one, especially the Antichrist. That's what's going to happen in the tribulation. There'll be many people who believe in Jesus Christ in the tribulation and they get killed for their faith. It's going to be a horrible time. People will say, well, so, so, what, so what if we're raptured out? Some people could still get saved in the tribulation. They could. In fact, a lot of people will get saved during the tribulation. But how many of those people are going to be killed? How many are going to be hunted down? What's it going to be like? It would be so much better if a person would believe in Jesus Christ now and be taken out. And so here's what he says. He says, I saw the woman and she was drunk with the blood of saints. That saints means the set-apart ones. That's the believers. And with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. Once again, that's another way of saying those who stand for Christ. When I saw her... I wondered greatly. He thought, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what this is. I don't know what's going on. I don't know how it fits. And so John is, one of the reasons this was this interlude is John wants us to know what's happening and it, what was told to him. So then here's what happened. Then angel, verse 7, and the angel said to me, why do you wonder? Why, why? I will tell you the mystery of the woman. 
and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. So he basically says, angel says to her, why do you wonder? Because I'm going to tell you about the woman and the beast. Now, we, we've known, as we've gone through the book, we've seen that there is a, a man who comes to power called the beast that rises up out of the sea, and he's the Antichrist. And we say Antichrist, but the book of Revelation calls him the beast. And then we saw that there was another beast that came up out of the the earth, and he was called the false prophet. We know that behind all of this is the dragon, and the dragon is Satan, and he's there, and all of that together is the false worship, the false everything that's going on in the tribulation. And people who are believers, they are running, and they're being killed. The nation of Israel at the three and a half year mark is running for their lives, going to a place called Petra or Selah, and so it's just a terrible time. So look what happens. He said, I'm going to give you the information about the beast, and, and and the, and the woman and the beast that carries her has seven heads and ten horns. So he says about the woman and the beast and seven heads and ten horns. And so he goes on to say in verse the next verse, The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to come out of the abyss and go to destruction. And we're not sure exactly what that means. There may be a time that, and I think when he says come out of the abyss, I think he's referring to the fact that everybody thought that the beast died. And came back from the dead. You remember that was the, the information that we were told. And whether he actually died and rose again, we don't know. People think that he died and rose again. And if he did die and rise again, Jesus Christ, God, raised him from the dead because God is the only one that can give life. Satan cannot give life. Satan brings death, not light. So the beast uh, which you saw who was and is not about to come out of the abyss and to go to destruction, he just flat out said, the beast is going to eventually be destroyed. And those who dwell on the earth, whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, they will wonder when they see the beast, and he was and is not. And will come. And so that's saying that people who are not believers, because your name is written in the book of life, the way he's written it there, he's just given us the panorama that everyone who's ever believed, their name is in the book of life. And he's saying that people whose names aren't found in the book of life, which are the unbelievers, we will see it in Revelation chapter 20, when unbelievers stand before Jesus Christ, the books will be open, and it says, anyone's name not found in the book of life is cast into the lake of fire. That's what's going to happen. And so these people's names are not in the book of life, and it says they will wonder after the beast, and they will see who he is and who he was and who, and who will come. So they're coming after, and they're going to wonder after the beast. Uh, and then in verse 8, it says, um, uh, it's a temporary thing. It says, it's wonder where he is and what and all this. It, it's a, a temporary aspect. We already know that it'll be the last three and a half years that he really claims to be God. Now, let me just kind of break something down for you. you think about this. Throughout this tribulation at the very beginning, this man who comes to power looks good. As you remember, we started the book of Revelation, and he came on a white horse, and he looked, brought peace to the earth, and he said, I will, be, I will be the world leader that will bring everything good, and then after that comes war, and after that becomes famine, and after that comes death, and then as everything is happening, he then claims to be God. That's who he is, but it's temporary. When he claims to be God, he has three and a half years before it's over, and that's why it's short there. And so he, he goes on and, and gives us a little bit more information, and he says, here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. So he's going to decide. He's talking about seven heads, ten horns. Revelation 17, 9. He said, here is the wisdom. And he says this. The seven heads are seven mountains 
on which the woman sits. And so we, we're going to go back and realize that those are the seven Gentile world empires. We'll talk about them in just a second. When you look through the Bible history, we're not talking about earth history, we're not talking about Western civilization, we're talking about biblical history. There have been seven Gentile world empires. That's what he's referring to here. That's what this angel, that's all we're finding out. He says, here in the mind, the seven heads are seven mountains. And then he goes on in verse 10 and says, and they are seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, and one, one has not yet come. And when he comes, he'll remain a little while. What's he talking about? He's, the seven heads are the seven mountains. They refer to the, to the nations, empires, and kingdoms. The seven Gentile world empires. He said... There are seven kingdoms, five have fallen, one is, and one is to come. Now, this is when John wrote this. John, this is saying, there are five have fallen, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Babylon, Babylonia, the Medo-Persians, and the Greco-Macedonians. Those all came before, after the Greeks were conquered by Rome. That's when John is living. One is. So five have fallen, one is, and the one to come is what we often call the revised Roman Empire, which is the Empire of the Antichrist, which is the Ten King Federation that comes up, and he comes out of that Ten King Federation. And, and so it says one is, one is now, and then one is to come, and of course the one to come is the Antichrist. The Antichrist will come out of this seventh kingdom. So look at the next verse. He says, the beast who was and is, is, is also of the eighth, and this is of the seven, and he comes to destruction. He comes out of this seventh Gentile world empire, and that, that's who he is. That's the beast, the Antichrist. He's coming out of that. And then notice this. He gives us more information. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but they receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour. And when it says one hour, it means a short time. That's what it means. The ten horns are the ten kings. We've said over and over there's going to be a ten king federation that starts in the tribulation, and the Antichrist will come out of that as the powerful ruler. He probably then makes the peace pact with Israel and begins the seven years. All they're saying is those ten, those ten things, those ten horns, that's the ten kings. And then notice verse 13. I, and by the way, let me put this up. The ten king federation is formed probably either right before the... When we say tribulation, uh, we're not talking... Uh, the rapture happens and it could be sometime, months or even years before the tribulation actually begins. We have no idea. We always draw the charts and we say rapture tribulation, but we don't know how much time is in between the church being gone and the tribulation begins. The tribulation begins when the Antichrist makes the peace pact with Israel. So this federation is formed, sometimes we say at the beginning of the tribulation, it could be after the rapture, it could even before the rapture, and then at the midpoint, the Antichrist takes over. So they form this ten king federation, he becomes the world leader, but then about halfway through, he claims to be God and takes over. Look at verse 14. These will wage war against the Lamb. This Gentile tenth, the, the, the seventh Gentile world empire, the Antichrist, all of this are going to wage war against the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them. Because he, this is the lamb, who is the lamb? We saw the lamb way back in chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. The lamb is Jesus Christ. The lamb will overcome them because he is Lord of lords and king of kings. And those who are with him are called the, the, the called, the chosen, and the faithful. And that's probably us. Those are with him. Let me remind you, they go against the lamb. The ten kings will wage war against the lamb, Jesus Christ. But guess what? There is victory 
in Jesus Christ. Let me just read something to you. You don't have to turn there. Revelation 19:11. I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. Verse 16, he is the, on his robe and on his thigh, he is called the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Down at verse 20 of Revelation 19, and the beast was seized, and with him the false prophet, who performed the signs in the presence by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast, and those who worship his enemies, these two were thrown alive into the lake of fire which burns with brimstone and the rest were killed with the sword which comes from the mouth of him who sits on the horse and all the birds were filled with his flesh. Listen, this is when Jesus comes. They are going to war against the Lamb, but Jesus Christ gains the victory. He always does. He calls us in this passage, the called, that means we're invited, whosoever will come, the chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, and the faithful ones, the ones who live for Jesus Christ. So what happens? We'll go quickly, uh, just so we can get this. He explains the vision, verse 15, and he said to me, the waters which you saw where the harlot sits of the peoples and the multitudes and the nations and the tongues. He explains that. That's the people of the world. Now watch what happens in verse 16. And the ten horns which you saw and the beast will, weigh, will hate the harlot, that's the false religions of the world, and will make her desolate and naked and will eat her flesh and will burn her up with fire. That's the fall of religious Babylon. And we think that's probably when the Antichrist moves and says, I am God. All the other religions of the world, all the false religions of the world, they're wrong. I am God. And he claims to be God. And I think this is when the Antichrist rises to take the power in the final three and a half years. And it's the best we can understand. Uh, when the Antichrist comes to power, he demands to be worshipped. He claims to be God. He removes the harlot. The false worship will all be centered in the beast who's the Antichrist. So this is the fall of what we call religious Babylon. And it all then turns to be to the Antichrist and him alone. Now watch this verse because this will comfort you. Here's what the verse says. Verse 17. For God has put it in their hearts to execute his purpose by having a common purpose and by giving their kingdom to the beast until the words of God will be fulfilled. This saying that this is all part of God's plan. The Antichrist takes over. I'm not even going to read those verses. But this is God is sovereignly working his plan. Just understand that. The beast is going to take over and all this stuff is going to happen. But it says here, this is God's purposes so he can bring it all to pass. And so we should relax and say, Lord, we know you're working all things according to the counsel of your will. We've got to rest in the good things and the bad things, the ups and the downs, the future, the tribulation. All of those things are part of God's purpose. And so we've seen this. And so uh, I, I love what Martin Luther said. He said, you know, God's ways are what he intends to do. We should humble ourselves before God and confess that we cannot understand his matters. This is God's plan and everything will happen as God plans until his plan is complete. Even the bad things in the book of Revelation all fit in God's sovereign plan. All of these things, we have seen that even God has used demons to carry out his plan. 
We've seen it over and over. We'll look at the end here, verse 18. The woman who you saw is the great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. And that's the harlot. And that's, that's, that's the great city is, the, is Babylon. And we see there's a false religion and then there's an economic system there. But this is the fall because it says the Antichrist is going to take it over. And the fall of religious Babylon is in chapter 17. And as we turn to 18 next week, we will see the fall of economic Babylon. And everything is going to come down to the bottom line of a beast and the false prophet, and Satan, and a whole bunch of unbelieving people, and they're going to all want to kill anybody in Jerusalem and Jesus Christ. That's their plan. And we go, we'll see what happens. So we have seen the fall of religious Babylon. Let's understand. Let me give you some applications quickly. Let's understand God is working out his plan. The events of the world are in God's sovereign plan. Even the events that are going on right now. And we start looking at our world and we say there was a war going on in Israel. And then, you know, this. And no telling what could happen over there in China. No telling what could happen over here. No telling what could happen in Ukraine. And we look at our world and we sometimes think, wow, things are out of control. Things are not out of control. God is working his plan. We must trust him in the trials and the circumstances of our lives because not only does the world look bad, but sometimes things happen in our lives that we go, oh my gosh, why is this happening? What should I do? We have to trust God in the trials and the th- events of our lives. We go one day at a time and trust him. How do we respond? I, I found this little poem. And I know his time is up, but I want to put it up here. It's like, what, would, what, would we, what if we ran the world, Okay. Here's what the poem says. God says to me with kind of a smile, hey, how would you like to be God for a while and steer the world? And we say, okay, I'll try. And we say this, where do I sit? How much do I get? What time is lunch? When can I quit? And God said, give me back the world. You're not quite ready yet. You know, and, uh, and then let's overcome, let, let, let us overcome false religion by the Lamb. We understand it. The victory is in Jesus Christ. When you believe in Jesus Christ, you have eternal life. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And by faith in Jesus Christ, we have eternal life. And let me tell you, we're not very far away from Revelation chapter 19. We are going to rejoice in Revelation 19. Because in real life, in Revelation 19, we're coming back with Jesus to this earth to set up a kingdom that he will rule in righteousness and justice. We do not have a world being ruled in righteousness and justice, but we will, and we'll be coming with Jesus. So I can hardly wait for Revelation 19. In fact, I considered skipping 18 so we could get to 19, but we can't do that. We've never done that, of course. Okay, so here the best way to avoid being taken in by the lies of false religion is to take in the truth of Jesus Christ. So study the Bible, know it, put it together. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the righteous one. He is the one we worship.